You're listening to Honoring Women of Color in Public Health. This is an official podcast of the Public Health Podcast and Media Network, hosted by Lindsay Smith and Dr. Abram Moreno. In this podcast, we feature women of color who work in the field of community, global, and environmental health to provide support, inspiration, guidance, and mentorship along your journey as a woman of color in public health. We hope you enjoy the episode. My name is Lindsay Smith, and this is the Honoring Women of Color in Public Health podcast, where we share stories from women of color in the field of public health to educate and inspire. Today's guest is Nicole DeVick, a public health professional and educator based in Los Angeles, California. Welcome. Hey, 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 Lindsay. So excited to be here today. So let's start out by telling our audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. So um, as you mentioned, I am from Los Angeles, California. I'm a public health professional. I've been in public health for about 20 years, literally um, looking into retirement. I'm not that old, but I'm like, maybe I can retire at 25 years. Um, I also teach public health and I've been teaching public health for about, about 15 years. And then I have this other side of me where I am so community driven that I do things in my community that aren't directly related to public health, but have a public health impact. And we can certainly um, dig into that a little bit later. I'm an author of two books as well. And I'm all. Wow. So (laughs) a very, tell us how did you get into the field of public health? Is what did you envision for yourself post-graduating college? So I think like most people really didn't have any idea of what public health was. I went to school undergrad at the University of Southern California. That was a whole experience. I was a teen mom at the time. Um, I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be a nurse. I thought I wanted to be an engineer. So I was just all over the place, literally on the verge of dropping out because my grades were bad. Um, And someone, you know, directed me toward public policy and management. And the focus was health. And at that time, it was very much healthcare, healthcare administration. During that time, I, you know, again, I was a teen mom, right? So I'm like, well, I want to try to earn some income. My parents were fine with me staying home, but I, I wanted to, you know, be helpful as much as I could as, you know, I was raising my young daughter. And I got a job as a student professional worker at the county. Um, their public health department, there was a sexually transmitted disease control program. So I'm like, what, <laughs> what is this? And they're teaching me about sexually transmitted diseases. They're helping, you know, I'm taking phone calls and smelling people condoms. And it was like a really interesting experience. And those folks were health educators. And I was like, I want to do what they're doing. And there was an epidemiologist there. And I think this is a a lesson in this um, particular story. There was a black epidemiologist, a black woman that said to me, go back to school to get your master's degree in public health. And I'm like, oh man, I don't want to go back to school. That's two more years of my time. Ah, You know, I'm just kind of making up all these excuses. And she said, go back. Two years will pass anyway. You might as well be doing something that you want to do and your salary will double. She was right. So I went back and she was right. And and literally she works where I work 
uh, to this day and I still talk to her every so often. So it was a black woman um, that said, do this thing and I listened. So it's really important to listen to people that have wisdom and knowledge uh, because they will not steer you wrong. What kind of public health topics would you say are you most dedicated to that you're most interested in? Um, really? Um, it really big into social justice, you know, sort of in a broader sense. Again, I had another supervisor as I got more into my public health career that was like, we have to start talking about the social determinants of health and health equity. And at that time in my workplace, no one else was talking about that. She made us watch Unnatural Causes, that documentary. She had us doing, you know, I was training the staff. We were doing all this work. And so that's kind of been where I've been most interested and engaged in. And then I will also say, um, secondary to that, interested in the public health workforce. How do we create a public health workforce that is more responsive to the needs of community, that is not, you know, practicing anti-Black racism? How do we, you know, those kinds of things I think are also um, of great interest to me at, at this point in time. I just think it's it's very amazing to see like the, the models or those, those people throughout your path that have really, you know, led to your your interest in public health, um, especially Black women in the field during the time. Like, it seems now the field is really picking up speed, growing, and representation is being talked about more. But you've come across a mentor, Black epidemiologist, in your collegiate time. Like, going more into your experience, you know, as a Black woman in public health, um, going through it through academia and then professionally in your career, what have you seen and experienced, whether that be differences in how you interpret uh, problems or or you interpret uh, the situations, the scenarios or cases that you're you're working with, or just a different perspective you've seen yourself come into the field with? I would say that one of the most interesting things is, has been my perspective layered over foundational concepts of public health, you know, the idea of prevention, the idea of community engagement, all those things, but being able to see it from my perspective. And I noticed, for one thing, of course, they don't teach it in the schools like, you know, that way. I mean, I think they do to a certain extent, but, you know, there's kind of, I feel like they, they don't quite get as deep into it as they should. And it's been interesting because as I mentioned, I am a professor of public health. I teach undergrad students. Um, and I noticed that the way I teach public health is probably very different from how other people teach public health. Of course, we go over the basics, right? Of course, public health is a social justice institution focused on the prevention of disease and promotion of health in communities. Yes, but I'm gonna talk about how racism impacts health outcomes. I'm gonna talk about how discrimination against black people, specifically black women in their hair impacts how the, their quality of life. If you send a black woman home from her job because her hair is not acceptable, you are hindering her ability to live her best life. You're impacting her quality of life. You're taking money out of her pocket. If you send a black child home from school because they have locks and you, know, you don't like that and you're keeping them from graduating, how does that impact their life trajectory. So I talk about stuff that I am pretty sure (laughs) 
my other professors of public health are not talking about in their public health courses. I'm bringing in topics that many people are not aware of, and I'm trying to make it very relatable and real to the students that I'm talking to because I want them to leave this, this lens, literally these glasses on that are social justice glasses that once you see the world that way, you cannot unsee it and you will operate in a way that will make sure that everybody has the same access to resources. We talked about universal basic income in my class. So all that to say, I think, and this even leads into what you were talking about before, that perspective of the Black experience in public health or being able to make those connections is so valuable in academia, is valuable in the workplace, because I'm going to be the one at work like, hold on, you guys want to do this thing in this community about whatever it is, COVID, whatever it is, have you considered this? Are you talking to these people? It just really speaks to how valuable and important it is to have diverse voices in the room. I have a professor, and I'll stop with this quote. I have a professor that always told me, if you are not at the table, you are on the menu. If you're not in those spaces, making, you know, having an input and in, in some sort of say so in whatever situation is going on, you're the one that's going to be talked about. Decisions are going to be made about you. And you have no say so. So you, it's important to have us at that table so that our communities are not dissected, are not ignored. Very touched to see like your your passion towards talking about those, teaching those subjects that help people, like you said, realize this whole new world that they may not have been exposed to. Because if you, if you learn about this from someone who has experienced it, you can't unsee it whether that be hair discrimination, shout out to the Crown Act, racism as a, as a social determinant, a risk factor, yep. especially in the United States. I think that's how you get the conversation from a superficial public health. You know, we're talking population health. We, we're just dissecting the layers of how to address the people that make up the United States in terms of mentorship, in terms of what you've you've kind of learned from people along the way. But in your experience, I guess, is there something you wish you would have known in the beginning of your career, specifically when you were going into the public health field? I wish I would have known, specifically in the type of work that I do, my day job, that it's like steering the Titanic. I wish somebody had told me, and I don't know if that would have made a difference or not. Um, I very much love the work that I do. I very much am invested in it, but it is incredibly hard to shift the needle. So maybe that's what it is. I wish I would have known you're not going to see the changes that you want to see in your lifetime. And I'm not going to, and it sounds horrible. It sounds like, well, what are you doing? You doing all this work for what? But knowing that the work is going towards a greater goal um, and it has to be done because if no one is doing it, then nothing changes. Even though it will take forever to shift this Titanic or to, to turn this ship in a different direction, um, it's really, really important to do the work, but you just may never see the, the fruits of that labor. And I think that's, that would have been helpful to know early on. It maybe would have uh, saved me some disappointment and you know sadness. <laughs> Like, well, what are we doing this for if we're not going to see it? It's like, but you got to do it. Um, you have to do it. Yeah, I'm, even as a, a freshman in college, like public health is for the long run, but it's worth it. The work is is needed. And when you think about 
putting up those preventional measures in place that can just do so much long term that we won't we won't know how it will play out maybe but right. it's worth having definitely absolutely what are some recommendations you have for someone interested in the field or or what you're doing specifically one of the first things I tell people that ask me that question is talk to people doing the work. Ask. Don't be afraid. Email somebody. If people love what they do and care about the field and care about bringing people in um, and getting them ready, they will respond to your email and they will talk to you. I have never met anyone that's passionate about public health that refuses to speak to <laughs> someone that's interested, right? I will talk your head off if you let me, okay? And ask me whatever you want to know. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to tell you, you know, what I know and, and give you as much advice as I can. It is my responsibility, and I feel this wholeheartedly, to lift as I climb. It is my responsibility to light a path for the next generation. Look, I've said this to everybody I know. I want to retire soon. I'm 43 years old. I want to get. I want to try to get out of here at age 50, maybe 55. So the part of my responsibility, I feel, is making sure that the next generation is engaged, is excited about public health, and sees it and, and loves it as much as I do. So whatever you want to know. Um, email folks that you think are doing what you want to do and ask them, you know, how did they get where they are? Um, and, and just be open to that because that's where you learn, you know, you got to talk to folks doing the work. Yes. School is important. Um, but the other side of it is making those connections. And when you start to talk to people, um, that are, uh, in the field or doing what you want to do, they'll remember you when, they, and then, then when it's time to hire, Oh yeah, I talked to that lady and she, I remember she wanted to, you know, was interested in this and that. Let me give her a call. Um, and those relationships and that networking is really important. So definitely reach out to folks. I think LinkedIn has made it really easy to do that now. Um, podcasts have made that easy. You listen like, oh, dang, that sounds cool. Let me reach out to this person. Google has made that really easy to do these days. Um, so talk to folks that are doing the work um, and be open to networking. And um, I think that's, to me, a really, really important first step. Sage advice. Reach out and connect with someone. I mean, especially from, from the pandemic, I'm sure people want to share their experiences and make working in the field better and stronger for the next generation. So, yep. Yes. And my last question before we sign off is, where do you see your field in say the next 10 years? You know, I think COVID has changed so much. It's changed a lot about how we work um, and how things are done. And I think it will have an impact on what happens for us in the future. So I think, I think, and I hope <laughs> that there is more money, more funding dedicated to public health, specifically governmental, you know, state, county, local agencies, because ultimately when stuff like COVID happens, when all, you know, the public health emergencies happen, that's who has to do the work. Um, and we don't want to have to be scrambling, trying to make stuff happen. Um, and so I just think that ultimately, big picture, I hope that there is more money for us um, moving into the future because our work is so valuable. And we all know, you know, that, you know, the more money we put into prevention, 
We can prevent stuff from happening in the first place. We can be prepared for these types of emergencies that we can't prevent. Nobody knew this COVID thing was happening. Well, at least I didn't know, right? Um, and I hope I never see it again. Let me just, no, no more pandemics, but I just really... <laughs> I just really hope that in the next 10 years, there's more money for public health infrastructure so that when, when stuff like this does happen, we can be ready for it. And then also for the day-to-day -day public health stuff, that there's more money um, to really be invested and engaged in communities. I didn't get to touch on this um, earlier, but one of the things that I do in just being who I am, I do things like have pop-up shops in my backyard that support Black women business owners. And, you know, that might not sound like it's related to public health, but economic development, economic opportunity is, is a public health social justice concept. So, again, if there's more funding for, yes, those core public health functions, but even if we start to think more abstractly about what public health is about and we get more funding for those things, we can do a much better job of making sure our communities are safe, are, are not impoverished, and that people will have uh, a better um, quality of life moving forward. Yeah, I, I hope that's something that we can, we can both see in our lifetime, at least that needle shifting towards that direction because that would that would be to the benefit of everyone. And finally, how can our listeners connect with you, Nicole? So several ways. I am on Instagram um, at Nicole D. Vick. I'm on LinkedIn if you want to find me there. Same thing, Nicole D. Vick. I do have a website www.nicoledevick.com. Um, I have two books, as I mentioned earlier. They are on Amazon uh, website. They're on Barnes and Noble website. If you Google both, if you Google my name, those books should come up. Um, those books highlight one of them. My first one highlights um, my public health journey and some of the things that shaped my life experience and my worldview. Um, so you may find that of interest. Um, and I think that's it. I, I'm on TikTok too, but that's less public healthy is more like you know <laughs> just me being me um but that's also available as well same nicole divick okay so you heard it here connect with nicole divick and follow her journey as a public health professional so thank you for sharing your story with us nicole um on the honoring women of public health podcast it's so important to share stories like this and let people know from people working in the field on the ground what's happening. So thank you again for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Yes, and thank you everyone for listening. Until next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Honoring Women of Color in Public Health. To learn more about us, visit publichealthpodcasters.com.